This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. Welcome back, everybody, to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Today, I'm filling in for Johnny as host. And uh, of course, my co-host here joining me is Craig Erlum. Hey, Craig, how you doing? Really good, mate. How are you? I'm good. And Craig, this week has been a fast start uh, already. It is, of course, Wednesday. At the time of recording this, we just had PPI and core PPI numbers come out from the U.S. Of course, this is an insight into up the supply chain where the producers are seeing price raises, uh, declines, things like that. Well, today's number was hotter than expected, both on the core and headline side of things. With headline, we got uh, the the forecast was to be 0.3% growth month over month in prices, and then you actually had 0.5% come out. On the core side, you had 0.3% come out where forecasts were at 02 This initially made a bullish move on the dollar, and we saw stocks slightly give back some gains. But overall, the markets gave back any sort of movements that they made in response to this shortly after. I think, personally, my speculation here is that we have meeting minutes coming out at about 2 p.m. today, which likely will be impactful to the markets. And tomorrow, we have the following inflationary numbers. So my speculation, and I want to ask you, Craig, if you think this is possibly fair to say, I think with the PPI number preceding some possibly arguably more impactful numbers, that gains either direction were probably not going to stick as market participants are probably just going to normalize and, and kind of stay neutral ahead of some of the bigger numbers. But again, hotter than expected PPI numbers. Do you think that that changes any outlook as we go into uh, CPI tomorrow? I think it probably makes people slightly more apprehensive rather than changing people's views or outlooks. We have to remember that with this data, while we do read a lot into it and while we do pay a lot of attention to what's going on uh, every month, we have to bear in mind that ultimately these are monthly readings and sometimes there are elements within these monthly readings which can distort them either in a positive way or in a negative way. Uh, I think we always have to bear that in mind. We have to look at the overall trend, and the overall trend is still very positive. And I think that's why maybe markets have given some of that back. I also do think it is secondary, ultimately. I know it feeds into the CPI, ultimately. This is the producer price level. But ultimately, the CPI trend has been very positive. The PPI trend even has been much more positive, and this looks like it could potentially just be a blip. And maybe it's that that's meant that people have been more willing to look through it. If the CPI number tomorrow is of a similar nature, then maybe we'll see a little bit more apprehension for longer. But at this stage, I think people are taking it as a potential bump in the road and something that they're hoping they will be able to look beyond when they get more context from different data points over the coming weeks. I think it's interesting to take a look at this number in reference to CPI coming up and kind of our overall resiliency in prices that we're seeing on uh, the indices are bouncing back. You're even seeing gold catch a little bit of a bid. And uh, one thing I would say is that it does seem like, to your point there about possible blips and in inflationary numbers, the market has found recently, it seems, any reason to to rally in some way. We've seen the S&P 500. Uh, last week, we had jobs numbers came out hot in the employment change, but wage growth was somewhat mild. And so there's there's this contention about where inflation really is. And I think that that brings up a really important uh, kind of moment when it comes to CPI tomorrow. I would make this case as well, though, 
if we do get hot inflationary numbers, obviously that's not going to be great for stocks as that may push out even further how long the Federal Reserve is likely to keep interest rates where they're at, which again can cut into stock earnings and, and all of that sort of stuff that follows. But um, what's interesting is that if that CPI number comes out hot, it's preceding a lot of optimism or it was preceded by a lot of optimism, right? People kind of brushed off the the hot jobs and said, well, companies are still hiring and wage growth is slowing, so that's not so bad. And um, if we, however, get an ugly, hotter than expected inflationary number, I think that that sets up a uh, time to look in the mirror situation. This is going to stay uh, inflationary for a lot longer. Yes, the US economy is staying pretty strong and resilient to much the uh, surprise of most market participants. I think you know going into this year, Many, many people were forecasting for recessions and serious troubles in the economy, and we just haven't gotten it. And I think that that's part of the reason why indices stay so strong despite some of these hot statistics. But again, I think CPI tips the scale tomorrow if we get hot numbers. So it will be really interesting to watch out for that as we go into the report tomorrow. We do also, like I said, we have meeting minutes coming up this afternoon. Is there anything in that report or anything in, that would stand out to you, Craig, in terms of most important to keep an eye on? So I think the minutes, uh, I always say, to be honest, I think are fairly outdated by this point. We've had two weeks now of Fed commentary since the actual meeting, and I feel like a lot's changed. When we saw the meeting, there was not quite the same level of almost tension and anxiety in the markets as I think we've seen over the last couple weeks. Obviously, this week in itself has been... Uh, a very uh, big week and one that could potentially have knock-on effects further down the road. We hope not, but has the potential to to do so. We've also seen big moves in bond markets, etc. And I think one of the reasons almost why I'm looking past the Fed minutes, and that's not to say that it can't have an impact on the markets. Of course it can, but I feel like we do have a very good idea now of what policymakers think. But one of the things that has changed, I think, quite dramatically since the minutes is the tone of the Fed speak. And what I mean by that is, in the weeks leading up to, say, last week, the Fed speak was sounding very hawkish. It was a lot about rates will stay higher for longer. We probably need one more rate hike. And the markets adjusted. Yields rose. They rose considerably. Let's face it, equity markets fell. Uh, we saw interest expectations rising. And the commentary from the last week has almost been that of amazement, should we say, from Fed policymakers. They've been quite startled by what they've seen in the bond markets. So you've even now got policymakers striking a much more neutral tone You've got some even referencing the bond yield, saying the adjustment that we've seen in bond yields over the course of the last few weeks may negate the need for another interest rate hike. And they've also been suggesting that maybe it's kind of growth expectations which have driven those moving yields. Certainly not obviously the very hawkish nature of the Federal Reserve policymakers coming out every week, uh, almost every day, saying we need to raise rates further, they need to stay higher forever, and all of this, that and the other pushing aside the responsibility for these movements that we're seeing in bond yields, now they're striking a much more neutral tone. That's not really going to be encompassed within the minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised if after a week of a much more neutral stance from various policymakers, the minutes actually come across quite hawkish. The question for me is how do markets respond to that? Do they view them as outdated or do they view them in the context uh, with which they were initially intended? So that's going to be an interesting thing, I think, that's going to uh, come from the minutes. I think ultimately it comes down to tomorrow's inflation data, though, and I think that would be my reading if it was kind of my choice, and it's not. There's lots of people in the markets 
if it was my choice, I would almost ignore the minutes. I wouldn't read them. I'd say they're, they're pointless at this point. We know what the policymakers think. We know a lot's changed since then. We know markets have adjusted considerably since then. So let's ignore them. Let's move on. And tomorrow's inflation data is all that matters. The markets obviously don't work in my head. So uh, there's every chance that we do see uh, a market response to to the minutes themselves. And the minutes maybe do appear more hawkish than what the recent commentary has suggested. But that's why tomorrow's inflation data, I think, is more important because that contextualizes everything that we've heard, the recent trends, and also today's PPI data as well. That's really important to, to point out. Just when we look at all these red folders, if you will, for upcoming events, a lot of times newer investors, new traders could get uh, a little bit distracted by all of the different flashing colors. And you cut through the chase there. CPI tomorrow will very much be what the market is paying close attention to. Craig, I want to ask you another thing about what you just said there. There was a piece of information that um, you know, listeners have probably heard floating around, which is the surprise move in yields, the 10-year crossed just shy of uh, 5%, made it up to 4.88% somewhere uh, before coming back down to where it currently sits, just shy of 4.6% at the time recording this. You mentioned that some are arguing that that could subsidize in a way uh, a rate hike, that rising yields like that could have uh, interest rate-like behavior on the market. How, you know, explain, I guess, uh, even to me, I mean, a little bit fuzzy myself on this. How does that work? How, how does a rise in the, the 10-year, how do, how do yields flying high have interest rate hike-like uh, effects on the market? Well, I guess ultimately, if we think about what impacts uh, our ability to borrow uh, and the rates at which we borrow at, uh, and therefore how much credit there ultimately ends up being in the system as a result of borrowing and saving, etc., it is the 10-year yield, uh, mortgage rates, all of these things, they're, they're, they're driven by the 10-year yield. And the reason why they're driven by that, or at least yields in general, should we say. And the reason why they're driven by that is uh, is because that's kind of seen as a risk-free rate of return. So rather than being driven necessarily directly by bank rate, it is usually uh, yields which they are driven by. But then yields are typically driven by the Fed funds rate. So there is obviously that very implicit relationship. Now, in all of this hawkish commentary, and I think we've talked about this a lot before, right? I've, I've said for a long time, I think the Fed is going to remain very hawkish up until the pivot. And the pivot's going to come late. And that's when uh, I won't think, I don't think it's going to be too long after that that we start to see yields come down. The Fed has now become accustomed to being ignored. Right, uh, but the Fed has been saying higher for longer, higher for longer for a very long time. The markets have largely ignored until they've been forced to think otherwise. Usually driven by the data more so than Fed speak, and I think the Fed has now been caught off guard by how much markets have responded to what it's saying. And maybe it is the fact that we are at the end of the tightening cycle, and maybe there is a lot of people who thought that the Fed would have pivoted by now. The Bank of England's become more neutral. The, the European Central Bank has effectively says we're not raising interest rates anymore. The RBA, the Bank of Canada the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, all of these central banks have pivoted to a much more neutral stance, but the Fed has not. And I think the markets have finally started to respond a lot more to what Fed policymakers are saying than maybe what policymakers themselves thought would happen. Therefore, we've seen this tightening of credit conditions because yields have risen even as the Fed funds rate has not. You've got to take what they say with a pinch of salt because if yields have risen in response to what they've said, which is another rate hike, higher for longer, and then the language and the actions of the Federal Reserve themselves don't reflect that, the yields will come down again. The markets will adjust lower once more. Uh, so you've kind of got to take these comments with a pinch of salt because 
they almost assume that yields will stay high even if the Fed doesn't act and even if the Fed adopts a more neutral tone. That's not going to be the case. It's got to be one or the other. So they're not being entirely honest, I guess, is what I'm saying. Or at least they are in suggesting that they think this is a reflection of more bullish growth expectations. They are suggesting that the fault for these higher yields doesn't lie with them. And this is what we've come back to, the communication. There's the communication which could be the brutal honesty from the Fed, which I don't think they were going to go for late in the cycle. And then there's the message that the Fed wants to send, and I think that's what they've been more focused on. And I totally understand that. We've seen markets overreact one way or another over and over again over the years. So the Fed was always more focused on the message they wanted the markets to receive so that they could influence the direction of trends and the rough levels that the markets are going to be at, especially in bond markets. Uh, rather than the honest truth of where they think things are going to go. And now they've realized that they actually have to be even more selective again. And I think that's what's going to come over the next few weeks. I think if we continue to see this neutrality from the from the Fed policymakers, I wouldn't be surprised if bond yields continue to uh, adjust lower. It's about finding that right balancing act. And the Fed ultimately, in adopting this more hawkish, higher for longer stance, what they were hoping to do is buy themselves time. We've said again before, and I know this is a very long answer to your question, but the Fed wants a maximum bang for its buck. It wants to raise rates as high as it possibly needs to to get inflation back to 2%, and it wants yields to stay at those high levels for as long as possible without having to raise the Fed funds rates again in order to tighten credit conditions as much as possible for as long as possible before then um, ultimately uh, adjusting lower. And now it's starting to run in the co- into the complications of that latter stage of the process so it is going to be really interesting to see now how they adapt and i think they have been trying to buy themselves time they've successfully bought themselves time and now they're running out of time especially with this meeting now coming in a few weeks time so i think they need a helping hand for the inflation data which would justify a slightly more neutral albeit cautious stance so rather than talking about another rate hike and higher for longer maybe they slightly pivot to no more rate hike talk just higher for longer and they'll be that slow pivot Thanks, Greg, for that. And again, we've got more news coming tomorrow with CPI. But for now, we'll call it quits on the podcast. We'll come back with more on Friday to follow up. Craig, thank you very much for joining me today. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.